0: It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix an all-girl bandleader, tr- a tractor beam, a demon, and duck nudity? Why, you get Howard the Duck. everyone, And welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And we are one episode away from uh the, the beginning of the fourth year of doing this show, and man, how time fucking flies. And like I said at the end of last episode, you know, I, I toiled back and forth, I ended up dropping the movie the original was going to do, uh, because of a suggestion, you know, well, kind of a request, kind of a wondering why haven't you done this film? And I decided to do Howard the Duck instead. And I know, it's not horror, but you have to think back... Well, okay, it's a different type of horror for some people. But you do have to think back to the original premise of the comics. And it really started off as kind of like a satire of horror movies, and then it moved slowly away... From that genre, kind of after its initial run, maybe a little while. I don't know exactly the the years that it did, but I know that it did originally start in the comic book's uh, Adventure Into Fear. And I'm, it was an issue about 19. Uh, and he actually had basically been found or was found teaming around with Man-Thing. And there's a lot more that you can kind of get into, but it originally was a parody of like those horror movies that were out there right there were a lot of things that also it was kind of a parody you know of the disney stuff it being it's it's weird that howard the duck has gone from where he is to actually being kind of the disney universe right after marvel has purchased disney so it's kind of gone this like weird circle back into you know, oh, hey, he's actually, you know, a duck. And if you look at the original comic books, he looks a lot like Donald Duck, to be honest with you, rather than kind of looking like his own thing. And even if you look at some of the stuff and merch that you can find out there, he really looks like... I'm actually looking right across at the Howard the Duck plush I picked up at California's Adventure in Disneyland. Uh, and he looks like a, like a mishmash of Donald Duck and then he, the it's the hat that really gets me, reminds me of Darkwing Duck, because he's got this purple hat that's on the top of his head, so he looks like he totally fits into that Disney universe of ducks that can fucking talk, but of course, he's always that guy that is the, you know, wisecracking, cigar-smoking, you know, he's changed over the years, and he doesn't really have any special superpowers, really. Of course, you could always you know count on his quack food to be there to help him through stuff but like i said it's kind of that weird mix in between because even with this film this film doesn't quite know what it wants to be and what i can tell you about the film at least right now before we deep dive into it is that and i said this on the other episode i unequivocally love this film it's one of those movies that for me, and it's not like an irony, it's not like a, I love it so bad, it's good. Maybe that's the way that it kind of is now. But honestly, growing up, this film was probably on in my house once a week. You know how some kids, when you're growing up, or if you have kids, uh, and I've heard stories before, and I know that I used to be like this, and I look back on things and my, hear things from my cousin especially you know like when my his uh i would say my niece i guess it's kind of like my niece but she was really into finding nemo and she was watching it all the time and and there's a lot of other things that i bet that they always want to watch some type of you know film that when you're really young you know you kind of just attach yourself to something and that's the movie that you got to watch and there were a bunch in my childhood but Honest to God, Howard the Duck was one of those films, and I was pretty young at this time, considering that it came out in 1987, and it was kind of in that age for me, you know, my sister, she probably understood a little more what was going on, but we were still both pretty young kids, and we both loved watching this, and I have a feeling I might have loved watching this more than her and after rewatching it and believe me it's been a while since i've seen howard the duck i believe i showed my wife it a little while ago somewhat into our marriage maybe about 5 or 6 years into our marriage but so it's probably been about that long since i've seen it and i've seen plenty of videos of people talking about it the most notable one for me is the one from the nostalgia critic uh, on youtube if you've ever watched any of his stuff but his was a long time ago so i uh, you know it's still kind of a refresher course, at least at that time when I watched that and then when I saw it again. Then last night, I, I kind of sat down and uh I don't know how many times I wrote on here, my parents let me watch this. Because literally next to like the last unicorn, uh this was on in the house almost all the fucking time. Like, I'm sure my parents realized how terrible of a movie this was, but was like, man, they like it. So we're just going to keep watching it. And I don't know why, I just love this movie so much, and there's definitely a nostalgic factor to it, but I'm trying to go into this with open eyes and going in and say, hey, you know, even though I have this childhood love for this film, is it really all that it's cracked up to be that I remember? Can you enjoy it at least? And I know in the recent years... Fans of the comic books have really started to get into this. And I mean the Howard the Duck comics. And they've started to say, well, it's not as bad as it is. Um And honestly, what I'm going to say first before anything. Now, this movie is not a movie that is, it was for a while. It was for a while available to stream on a couple different platforms for free. You gotta rent it. Uh, for the most part, that I can find out there. And I found on Amazon, I think the rental price was like $2.99, and then it was $3.99, $3.99 to buy. I ended up buying the damn thing, because I'm like, for a buck, I can have it forever, and again, watch whatever I want digitally. So let's go for it. Uh But it's, again, I think this is a film that you may want to actually watch first. If you've never seen this before, just so that you can experience it for the first time. Now, Of course, this is also a film at the same time. I feel like you don't need to watch it all before you go through this. I'm such at a, like, confusing moment right now because, like, I think we can go through this and there's going to be stuff that i miss okay i know this happens i've been told this before but of course i'm going through a lot of talking and a lot of different clips and sometimes my mind goes boo i didn't go that direction which is fine and i get it and you guys tell me and oh okay cool i totally forgot that part or whatever so sometimes it is better to go through it and watch it first but this film is really a tale And I've said this before, I know, in other ones. This truly is a tale of two, like, different films. There are two whole films in this movie. The movie clocks in at almost two hours. I did not remember that. So how did I watch it so goddamn often unless I watched some type of edited clip? Because there are a couple things in here as a kid I didn't remember fucking seeing. But now all of a sudden I'm like, what? This movie is rated what? P PG? This movie's rated PG, what the fuck? And I also probably know where I got my first boner from, which we'll talk about that scene later on this film too. Or at least a boner and I didn't know why I was getting a boner. You know, that age where you're like, what the fuck is going on down there? Something's making me excited and I don't know what it is. And In this case, it's Leah Thompson. Uh, and probably in a scene, I probably should not really be getting a boner in because it's fucking weird as shit. So, getting back to it. If you haven't seen it and you feel like you need to experience it before you listen to this, watch it. If you haven't seen it and you feel like you can get a kind of sense of whether you want to spend your time in watching this film, listen to the podcast first. I say this on certain movies, uh, or at least, this is the first time I think I've even given this option before, but... If if you really want to, I'm saying if you really want to put the time into it, watch the film, then come back to this. If you've never seen it before. If you have seen it before, there are things maybe you don't remember. Maybe this is a Berenstain Bears type of thing for you. You do, always threw out, thought it, growing up was Berenstein and not Berenstain. And in fact, you remember sitting in that doctor's office and you remember seeing the fucking EIN on the goddamn thing. And then all of a sudden you look nowadays and maybe the cursive is what fucked you up or some shit like that. Okay. It, it's it is what it is okay but this is one of those things where there's stuff in this film that i don't ever remember seeing from when i was a kid and when i saw it again i was like wait that's in it so and there's a couple scenes where you're like why why is this in a film that is rated this so without further ado let's go in and dive right away into talking about howard the duck now I played, like, the theme song. There is a theme song to this film, but it's not really kind of the intro or credits theme. The credits theme is not really anything. There's a basically a dialogue that comes over, which we'll play in a second. Uh, And, again, I managed to, like, somehow, like, in the clip count, I thought I was, like, oh, God, grabbing so much crap. And there are stuff where I just kind of booted it out, but there's some longer clips in here, and... I, I do apologize, but I tried to modify a couple of them so it takes out some action stuff that comes in between that you probably would think, well, I remember this happening in this scene, and it doesn't happen in the clip. That's because I don't want 30 seconds of, you know, pew, 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 like those type of sound effects going on. Uh, I'd rather get to the dialogue to the dialogue. So know that some of the clips that are put together, they're cut a little bit, and I try to make it sound as seamless as possible. Um So, like I said, it's the theme song that you get is this weird, like, jazzy thing as you open the film, and that's the theme. The other theme, uh, I will warn you right now, you're going to hear the entire fucking thing when this podcast ends, because it's the end of the goddamn movie, and they talk over it, and... I fucking love it, okay? I unequivocally love everything Leah Thompson sings in this fucking movie. I don't care if you think it's cheesy 80s trash. I don't care if you think she doesn't sing very well. I don't care if you're like, man, this is just a rip-off of The Runaways or some bullshit like that. No, fucking... Love these songs. You sit the fuck down and you listen to them. In fact, you should go out and buy the fucking soundtrack and listen to it on repeat because it's so goddamn it entertaining. So, anyway. We, we fade in on a city and we see that somebody's coming home and he's kind of going through the normal things that some people that live alone go through. He's got a postcard from somebody that's saying basically, wish you were here. Uh, we would be having fun on the beach. So somebody's offering him sexy times. And then he goes over to his answering machine. Yes, kids. Now there was this thing back in the day. Okay. Uh, if you've, you know, you may not have heard of it, You may have seen it, it was called an answering machine and it was a little box and then it used a cassette and you see cassettes were those things that used to like record to, you, you know how you record to CDs now? Well, they had cassettes and cassettes had a little piece of ribbon in it and then you could record onto it or erase it, and then it would get fucking stuck, and you have to take a fucking pencil, and you'd have to fucking, you know, hopefully that you could twist it enough so that you wouldn't fucking break it so that you can release it and make all the ribbon fall to the fucking floor, and then you had to make sure that you tighten it right in the right way, because you know what, this is the only copy of the fucking Tool album that your mom's gonna buy you, and so you don't want to fucking mix it up, but your fucking shitty knockoff Walkman fucking ruined and almost ate your fucking, okay, anyway, so they're <laughs> a little cassette, On the side uh, and basically record messages from your phone unlike your uh, cell phones nowadays yes maybe i sound like a crotchety old man yes i'm probably explaining to a bunch of people that have heard of this before but maybe somebody hasn't but anyway so he starts playing the messages on machine and everything sounds just like you would normally hear on an everyday answering machine
1: hi honey this is your mother listen i know you're very busy
2: with a new job but please try and call us did you get the birthday sweater we sent? We'll be home all weekend. Bye.
0: Howard, Jim here. we still set for racquetball on Saturday? Give me a shout, buddy. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Wendy.
2: I had this really intense dream last night, Howie. I was running my fingers through your feathers, and all of a sudden... <laughs>
1: well, you better come over tonight, and I'll show you what really happened next. Ciao for now, Howie.
0: Alright, so I guess Howard is a really big player, because we've already seen the one postcard where the lady is like, oh, I wish you were out here, we could be doing naughty things. Again, PG movie. And then we got somebody there, oh, I had a dream about us, Howard, and then I'm gonna show you how it ends. And we know that she's talking about Howard the Duck, and not just random Howard. Like, the way that this is kind of set up, at least as he's going through everything, it's like, oh, we're just in regular apartment and we're in regular town nothing is weird here and then slowly but surely you're kind of let on to that there's other things but it's really during the messages and when you hear Howard for the first time you're like oh okay you know they're talking about Howard's world because we're here to see Howard the duck right <laughs> it's not like we're gonna see something weird something different something that we don't expect it's like you're setting up the whole situation to be like, oh, hey, you know, uh we're in this regular... You know, we're in a U.S. city somewhere, somewhere. Like, this is New York City or something like that. The city that never sleeps. And we're going through and we're seeing everything. And then all of a sudden we're going to get the reveal of how we're going to be like, what? He's a duck? Like, <laughs> it's one of those situations where why are we setting it up this way? Like, it's kind of neat. There's a lot of fucking stupid movie puns on the wall, too, as we're looking around the apartment. Like, you can see everything's been changed into some type of ducks. There's a movie with Mia Farrow, but it's like Mia whatever duck pun it is and there's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark poster, but, you know, Indiana Jones has been turned to a duck, and then there's a computer on the table, and it makes me wonder, is that a Quackintosh, or a fucking A that got me fucking going with the duck puns already. <sighs> anyway, so he grabs a beer over there from the fridge and sits down in front of the TV, turns it on, and we get to watch a little bit of the local duck television station.
3: Pate, back with you again for lots more Dance Frenzy Excitement. Here's couple number three. Our lovely Latin dance team from Webford Falls. Charles is a machinist first class in the Navy. And his darling white Madge is a blackjack dealer. Just a super job, kids. Charles and Madge, come on, let's hear it for him, folks. What's the matter, George? Oh. Hmm, jock itch again? I've got just the thing. Here, why not take a shot of new shorts blaster? It's guaranteed to wipe out feather fungus in even the most active crotches. Shorts blaster. In addition, you won a new car! (laughs) But that's not all! Oh, Fred, I
2: love you so much. Uh, It hurts. uh, uh, Like, can't $79.95! Seventy nine ninety five. Forget it! Forty nine ninety nine. dollars No way!
0: I'm crazy with you,
2: and my prices are insane!
0: Okay, you know, I kind of like the way this intro was going, right? Like, I don't necessarily like the setup. I don't like the fact that you're looking at everything, and before we get the full reveal of Howard the Duck... We're kind of like, oh, everything seems like it's normal, but slowly but surely, uh, ducks, oh, ducks, oh my god, ducks. And then when we get the full reveal of Howard the Duck, it's both a reveal for us to see the costume as well as to see the character for the first time. We also see a bunch of other things that are hanging on the walls in the apartment, and one happens to be what looks like an album cover of Howard and the Heartbreakers, which I guess is supposed to be like a take on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, but Howard is the lead guitarist, but he looks like he belongs in fucking Back to the Future, and this is really Huey Lewis in the News, but... I I don't know, whatever the hell is going on. And of course, Leah Thompson is in this, so I think that's why it kind of is meant to look like that. And also, everything is kind of related in some way to George Lucas, you know, and even some mocking of his friend Steven Spielberg, because, you know, Lucas produced this film. He didn't direct it, he produced the film. So, And that's, I think, a common mistake, and I might have even made that mistake before. But it is a George Lucas production, don't get that wrong. So he was the one that gave it enough money and thought that, man, Howard the Duck is going to be a fine film for the family. So he sits there, we see him on the couch, he's lit up a stogie, which is fine. You know, again, is it meant to be kind of shocking? Oh my god, there's a humanoid duck smoking a cigar, but... You know, what person doesn't come home in the afternoon uh, or evening and decides that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and smoke a cigar and do whatever. It's just kind of humanizing the character, I guess, because we're humanizing a duck. You know, it's a humanoid duck. What do you expect? And, of course, he grabs his brown papered covered magazine. Aren't he opening a fucking Playboy? What the fuck? See, this is the shit that I don't remember from this. And he does. He pulls it out, and it's got some fucking duck and fucking lingerie in the cover. And then he opens it up, and there's, boom, duck tits right in front of you. She's wearing lingerie, and her tits are fucking hanging out, and they're pretty small fucking tits, so it makes me wonder if she's a fucking duck spinner or some shit like that. But honestly, again, PG, here we go, duck tits, (laughs) presented by George Lucas. And so he's sitting there enjoying his playboy when all of a sudden everything starts to shake in the apartment and then he is pulled out by his lazy duck or whatever you want to call it. Yes, that's right. I'm trying to do more duck puns in whatever way that it is. Lazy quack. Uh, lazy fowl, Um... You know, I don't know. How would you call a fucking lazy boy in the duck fucking world? Okay, they already used duckaroni later on in the film, and it's not in the fucking duck world. It's in the real world, and duckaroni doesn't fucking exist. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But yeah, his little Barker lounger gets grabbed out magically and he's pulled through a bunch of different apartments inside of his building. He first gets pulled through some old people's thing down a hallway, and then he gets pulled through some other duck lady's bath, and boom! Two sets of duck tits already. One on a magazine, one in front of everybody, and this again is a pg fucking movie it's not a pg-13 it's not a fucking rated r movie it doesn't deserve to have that type of rating outside of it to be honest with you but the the problem is is that you're like what what the hell i do not remember these things when i was a kid like honestly when was the last time that you actually saw howard the duck was it a year ago was it seven years ago Do you remember this? Do you remember him flying through a lady's bathroom while she was taking a bath with a fucking glass of wine? And yes, I'm calling this a lady, even though it's a lady duck. And then, you know what is hilarious? Is that my wife has the ability to argue with me about this, that that shouldn't have duck tits. And I had to go through the argument of saying, she's humanoid now. Okay, she's like, yeah, but ducks don't have tits. And I'm like, ducks also have corkscrew fucking penises as well, okay? And you don't see when he's itching his fucking crotch that he's got a fucking, like, itch in a fucking circle or some shit. Or, like, it's barely, like, you. it's not a normal fucking, like, jock. Like, you see, like, your balls and definition of your penis. And when you see the definition of the penis on the fucking duck, here we go. It's in the shape of a fucking curly Q. No, he's a humanoid fucking duck. Okay, so he probably has man dick. And therefore, she can have fucking woman tits. And why are we arguing about the fact that that duck has tits and shouldn't have them? You're right. You shouldn't even be seeing these fucking tits. But if she was humanoid, she should have duck tits. And she should have duck vag. But we're not going to go that far. The fact that I have to have these conversations due to Howard the Duck is insane. Okay? So, anyway, let's get away from duck tits and go and see him fly out of his building, we see a lot more different people dressed in the duck costume, which I'm pretty sure is just versions of the way that Howard looks. Like, Howard doesn't look that much different from everybody else, except for the two old ducks that you see. Oh, did you see what was happening at Old Timmy's place? Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody Oh! Howard busts in and shit like that. So, anyway, he gets dragged through space, which makes me wonder... How does he survive as he's being dragged through space? I mean, because he literally gets taken off the planet, he's going through space, he doesn't have a helmet, he probably shouldn't implode, and then we get the weird opening credit sequence that makes absolutely no sense in, like, the terms of this film.
2: The cosmos. Countless worlds upon worlds. Worlds without end. In these galaxies, every possible reality exists. And what is reality on any one world is mere fantasy on all others. Here, all is real, and all is illusion. What is, what was, and what will be start here with the words, In the beginning there was
0: Howard the Duck. Okay, so, why couldn't we have started the movie that way? Why couldn't we have, like, that would have been fine to be like, we're going to do this, we're going to do space, and we're going to show, you know, the galaxy, infinite planets, and there are all these things, and then we're going to focus in on the city, or we're going to do the, you know, and there was Howard the Duck, and then it does that, and then it fades down the city, and then we get to see everything else. Like, it's pretty dramatic type of intro for this film, to be honest with you, it's kind of cool. But it would be neat if you saw everything that just happened after it. It makes no sense why it's here at this point in the film. Because honestly, it makes no difference to the way the film is done. You have this dramatic type of intro that has really nothing to do. It makes it seem like first there was man and, you know, or... First there was fire, and fire was good, then came the wheel, then came the steel age, then came the internet, then came porn, and it was all known by, you know, vagina pussy 29! You know, that's the type of intro, if I did that for this fucking podcast or something, and then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck, like, what does that have to do after I've gone through... 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the fucking show already. Here, you know, it's not very long. It's only like about, uh, I don't know, five, six minutes. Uh Actually, no, it was a lot more uh <laughs> into the film. But it's still, it's just an awkward place to put it. And it would have been cool at the beginning because it would have just got you kind of hyped into the film and to like, you know, all big grandiose. And then we see him through his day and him get trapped and sucked to the universe. It's just as a choice, I guess, of the way that you want to edit the film. But anyway, I digress and let's just move on forward. And we see that Howard, he's still flying through and then he lands in Cleveland, Ohio. I I will not make any jokes about Cleveland, Ohio, except for the fact that the way that he Act. sometimes. He probably could get a permanent job on the uh, coaching staff the Cleveland Browns. So after he lands, uh, he's already approached by a couple of punks and they grab him and they take him into a club basically to try to gain free entry. One of the club owners, he decides that, hey, I know what this is. Doesn't matter what type of costume you wear. It's a fucking costume kid and throws him out into the fucking street. To where he starts groping on a lady who's making out with another dude. Like, Really? This? Again, this is in a PG fucking movie? Like, he's sexually assaulting some lady, and everything's like, oh, she's like, oh, he's a creep! And then he's like, oh, no, I don't know what my hand was doing. Bad duck. Bad duck. Like... You're such a fucking hornball already, Howard, that the moment that you come into another world where there's beings that you don't fucking recognize, but you certainly know what a fucking tight, hot ass is, and so you're gonna go after that shit right away, right? That's the way that you can go. So, he gets chased off, and then he meets up with a biker club called the Satan Sluts, Uh, and he gets thrown, basically, it's a bunch of, like, happenstats, things that happen to him while he's first come to the planet. He just seems to be caught in all these different little things, till ultimately, we end up where he gets thrown into a garbage can, and that's where he falls asleep, and then all of a sudden, we see Leah Thompson's character, she comes out, after she's finished her gig with the cherry bombs, yes, a Runaways reference, uh, and... She's walking home for the night, and she's approached by a couple of thugs where somebody comes to save the day.
3: (laughs) Just saw your show! Oh, righteous lady, love your music! Mm -hmm. Bye now. Can I have your autograph on my shirt? Oh, me too! And my shorts! Real charming. (laughs) Just go away, okay? Hey! talking to you, big rock star! go, Hey! Don't go snot nose on us! We're your biggest fans! (laughs) Let me
1: go! Oh! Yes. Help
3: somebody help, uh. help. Come here, nose! Uh.
4: That's it. No more, Mr. Uh. Nice Duck. Yeah. Huh? Let the female creature go! Mm-hmm. Every duck's got his limit, and you scum have pushed me over the line. Jimmy?
3: Do you like see what I see? A talking duck. Yeah, Ooh. that's it. <laughs> I've been doing
4: too much toot.
0: Toot,
3: fly away.
4: No one laughs at a master of quack foo
0: And so then Howard begins to kick the shit out of those guys. Now I want to know what the fuck is toot. Uh. What type of drug is that? Like, it would be nice if I get a little bit of explanation, because right now, what it makes me believe is the guy has just been smelling the other guy's farts. Like, maybe you haven't had my nose up to your ass too much as you've been farting, because I've been doing too much toot. So, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? But Howard takes him out by the knees with his quack-foo. Which, in the comic books, he learned much later. You know, he doesn't have any superpowers by coming to Earth. He's not fucking Superman. Doesn't get power from the sun. He happened to land in Cleveland, so he now has the knowledge of the streets and how not to get shot. Damn it, I forgot I was not gonna make any fucking Cleveland jokes. But, anyway, so he goes and beats the crap out of them. Though, even though... You see, Bev here, played by Leah Thompson, she is able to punch the shit out of the guy when she calls her up. She's like, help! Help! Like, beating the shit out of him, but still calling for help. This guy is like the worst fucking punk I have ever seen. But of course, a lot of punks, you know will get beat harder than LeBron does by the Golden State Warriors. Ah, fucking A! I said I wouldn't do another fucking... Okay, that's the last fucking Cleveland joke. So after beating the shit out of the guys there, he saves the day and he introduces himself to Bev here. But she, of course, is a little bit wary because, hey, it's a talking duck. This is obviously no place for an intelligent, sensitive duck.
1: This is unreal. I mean, it can't be. Thanks. You're not really, uh, 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 Doc?
4: You know, this is beginning to seriously undermine my self-esteem.
1: I'm sorry. I guess I should thank you for chasing those guys off. Are you okay?
4: Yeah, sure. Terrific. I just have one giant question. Where am I?
1: Oh, uh, well, uh, the light's up there are 9th Street and the bus stops at the corner of Powell.
4: No, 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 no. I'm asking, what is this place?
1: Uh, Cleveland.
4: Cleveland? Uh-huh. That's a perfect weird name for this planet.
1: Planet? No, no, that's the city. The planet's... Uh, you don't know the planet? Oh, well. The planet's called Earth, I think. And I'm obviously in some sort of terrible nightmare.
4: Oh, yeah? Your nightmare or mine?
1: Good point. Uh, so, uh... I guess I better be going mm. uh, uh, Thanks again
0: So she just kind of leaves him there Because honestly I think I would too I don't think that I would be in the situation To be like oh my god a talking duck Like Have I done too much toot Were there a bunch of people fucking farting All over the place inside that club I was playing Or maybe I got a contact high From all the shit that was going on in there I don't know if I should even be, like, doing music anymore or or anything. There's a fucking talking duck. And and, uh, Leah Thompson's character, the way that she plays Beverly, really annoys the crap out of me in this time. Like, it's still fine. Like, she's not terrible per se, but she plays her with this wispy voice the entire fucking time, and it gets kind of old, even after the first time she opens her fucking mouth. Like, it's just, I've gone through this, like, the uh, third time going through this film in the last, you know, whatever times it took me to record this podcast, and it's just kind of irritating, like, dude, take a breath, like, open up your throat, like, that sounds wrong, but really, like... uh, well, um, maybe we could, uh, uh, go get, uh, some, something to do, some coffee or something, uh, um. It's like, you know, if I was a fucking mouth breather all the time, you guys get fucking annoyed with everything that goes on in the background or whatever the fuck is going on. But here, it's just, It drives me up the fucking wall. Otherwise, you know, she does well with what she's got in terms of her written dialogue. So, she sees him there, she's about to leave, and then she decides, you know what, it's probably best, it's raining, he looks cold, let me invite the duck to my apartment. She gets over to her apartment, he thanks her, of course, but then he makes insults on, this is where you pay to live, as they go upstairs, and she welcomes him into her apartment, and automatically, like any good local band that I know, immediately starts talking about their music.
1: Come on in. Uh, sort of a disaster area. We've been working on some new songs, you know? See, the band's called Cherry Bomb, and... Well, we've been playing in these grungy mung holes, waiting for our big break. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about, do you, mister?
4: Hello? it's howard thank you
1: right howard (laughs) hi i'm beverly uh listen uh, would you like something to eat or um drink uh milk i could put it in a bowl
4: oh doll i don't drink out of bowls you got a beer
1: beer right beer uh right uh god i can't believe this
0: I forgot to say something about the weather that's been going on. You can kind of hear in that clip. It is pouring outside. But when they first start walking down, like, to the apartment, there is no rain whatsoever. Even in that scene, like, you kind of hear it when she's talking to him about, hey, why don't you come back to my place? Like, I understand that she probably feels some, like, obligation towards Howard here. Because, you know... He saved her from a bunch of ruffians that were going to do whatever they were going to do with her, even though she was able to kind of beat the shit out of one. But it's weird because, you know, he doesn't really know what she is, but she automatically recognized him as a duck, right? Because we have ducks in our world, but he doesn't have anything that resembles like a human on his world Especially if they're almost what seems like mere universes of each other, it doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't be able to kind of identify or like, hey, you know, that's a uh, hairless ape, right? That didn't evolve. And it, it's easy to look at the duck like the duck didn't become anything different. It's still a duck. It's a humanoid duck, but it's still a duck. It's got duck features. You know, if somebody were to understand what humans or apes were way back in the day and they evolved into us, like it's a little difficult to see that we're anywhere related if we are related, right? But we know exactly from him that, okay, yeah, he could have evolved the exact same way. But getting back to the rain, like, you see it out there, and you hear it, and it's really kind of, like, spotty at best. Like, you can't really see it. Maybe it's a sprinkle or whatever. And when they start walking back, It is not raining at all. But right when they get to her apartment, it is fucking pouring out there. And they're literally out there right before it starts. Like, it's not really raining at all. They just get to the door. And then as they open up the door, you look outside. Boom. Tons of fucking rain. Like, I guess the costume probably couldn't take it that long if it could take it at all. So they must have filmed those scenes, like, with the weather, without the weather. But you know what? In the other shot, it's probably superimposed in the back. So, they're upstairs. Of course, you hear they. she tries to hand him a bowl full of milk. Because, yeah, that's what fucking ducks... Like, the joke would have been better if she had tried to give him some bread. Right? Hey, what do you eat? I've got some, like, pieces of bread. And she grabbed the bread and she started breaking it up and was going to feed it to him. But, of course, like, no. If he was Howard the Cat, then you could be like, oh, how about milk in a saucer? You know? Then the joke fucking works. There, it just kind of falls flat. So, she takes him around the apartment and she sits him down uh, to try to find out a little more about him, but he ends up having a little bit of, like, duck PTSD when the truck runs by and the chair starts shaking like crazy.
1: Howard, it's okay. You're all right. The chair started shaking. Oh, it was just a big truck going by. A uh, truck.
4: I knew that. Uh, what I don't know is... What the hell I'm doing here? It's like a bad trip. I mean, talk about an identity crisis.
1: Yeah, what an awful thing to happen. Uh, Howard, I was just kind of wondering, uh, does everybody on your planet look like, uh, like you?
4: Obviously. Why?
1: Oh, no reason. Just wondered. So, what do you do back home? Uh, you got a job? You go to school?
4: I went to med school for a
1: while. You went to med school?
4: <laughs> yeah, my parents wanted me to be a doctor plastic surgeon making big bucks doing big jobs tail tucks what happened i dropped out i decided to educate myself in the real world on the streets so i wrote songs at night and did construction work by day
1: wow that sounds great you know i write songs too what kind of listen
4: it doesn't matter it was all a pipe dream i got so tired of everyone saying grow up howard I guess I finally did. Last month, I got what they call a promising job.
1: Oh, well, yeah? Doing what?
4: Advertising copywriter. Oof. Only two things touch my feathers. Oil of nightfall and him. I wrote that.
1: <laughs> Jeez, Howard. <laughs> it sort of sounds like uh, you sold out.
4: Maybe but sometimes I still get this feeling there's some kind of special destiny waiting for me.
1: Howard, that's it. Maybe that's why you're here. I mean, I believe that there are no accidents in the universe. Maybe you're here for some greater purpose, some cosmic cause.
4: Are you nuts? I got no intention of being stranded here. I gotta get back. How is another matter?
1: Yeah, right. We gotta
0: get some help. And like any good one-night stand that comes over, he falls asleep right away as she's talking to him. And so she decides, because his wallet falls out of his pants, she decides to start going through his wallet. And you see all the Duck-related things. And it really does look like we are a mirror universe for his home world, right? Because his credit cards, instead of MasterCard, it's MasterDuck. On the money, on the dollar bill, instead of it being George Washington, it's George Washington Duck. uh, And he even has pictures of him with babes inside of there. And then a condom falls out. And see, I told you, I was fucking right because if that was a corkscrew fucking dick on him then it would be a corkscrew fucking condom that you'd see there it's some weird contraption so instead he's got a fucking man dick but he's got a small pecker because that is a really fucking small condom of course the guy's only three foot two as well what do you think would have like a fucking 10 foot fucking dick or 10 inch dick I i should say because having a 10 foot dick would be really fucking weird and awkward as it were then i guess it would really be a corkscrew uh but i don't want to think about that so but yeah imagine somebody that's like three foot two and has a fucking 10 inch dick pretty sure there's somebody out there that does but i doubt i really want to think any more on howard having a giant fucking cock so she goes through his shit lets him go to sleep and in the morning she decides that she's going to take him to meet her friend phil played by tim robbins in the cab ride over, she puts him in a fucking garbage bag so that she can be not conspicuous with him. But then she's talking to him the entire time she's taking the taxi over. Oh, this is to make sure that people don't freak out, but I'm talking to you while you're in fucking trash bag, and you're talking back to me at the same fucking time? Like, come on. Like, you're not gonna get that shit from anybody. Like, even the guy looks like he's weirded out. You're bringing more attention to yourself. And then when you try to bring him into the fucking museum that's there, you can't, he's too heavy for you. So he's like, just let me fucking walk. And then she's like, no, we're not gonna do that. And the kid's like, what's in the thing? He's like, nothing. And then they go inside and they meet Tim Robbins, uh, who first sees it, freaks the fuck out, and then uh, does this.
4: This is
3: amazing. Man's oldest fantasy. Across a sea of stars. Look up in the sky.
1: It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a duck. Phil, you've got to help us. What are we going to do?
3: Nice ducky. Me, Phil. You, Howard. We be friends. Uh.
4: Undoubtedly, one of Earth's greatest minds here
1: Oh, Hey, Phil, don't talk to him like that He's just as smart as you are
4: Oh, now
3: I'm really depressed Highly intelligent Perhaps even... Wait, that's it We're about to see if subject has any abilities we don't have here on Earth Any, shall we say, superpowers Howard! Hmm can you bend this? <clears throat> what are you, crazy? Howard, can you burn a hole through this with some kind of eye laser?
4: Can I bite your nose off with my super bill? Howard, quit holding out. I want you to concentrate and read my mind. Right. You're thinking. They know I'm a phony. They know I'm a yo yo. <laughs> Tell me if I'm warm on any of these, Phil. I want you to look into the future and tell me what you see. I see myself walking out that door.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: So, Tim Robbins' Phil. Um, uh, (laughs) This is really rough. I love Tim Robbins. I really do. And if there is an award for overacting, and this film did get a lot of nominations for Razzie's, and I believe the year that it came out... It won Worst Picture at the Razzies, which is an honor. Honestly, if I could make something and get a Razzie for it, I would be fucking astonished and amazed. Maybe there's a podcast version of the Razzies in one of these episodes can get on there. Oh, one can only dream. But anyway, so, like, there's overacting, and then there's Tim Robbins as Phil and Howard the Duck. Like, it is terrible how overacted this role is. And you know what? As a kid, I totally loved his character. As an adult, I'm a little annoyed by the character, to be honest. Uh, I can see why I really liked it. Like, he's very animated. He's, like, probably the funniest character outside of Howard's sarcasm that, like, really m- makes the film fun to watch because it's definitely not Jeffrey Jones that's going to show up in a little bit because we'll talk about that in a little while. But Phil... Honestly, he overdoes it. He's really over the top, but there's something kind of endearing about that at the same time because you know that he means good and he just wants to help out. And when Howard runs out, he still, you know, he chases them down and he takes them over basically into the Evolution of Man exhibit to kind of explain what he believes is actually going on. And then he's found out not to be the person that he actually, well, that both Howard and Beverly think he is.
3: This is, of course, the evolutionary ladder, showing how man progressed from
4: monkey to me, for instance. You consider that progress? Jeez, you're all hairless apes. That's really disgusting. Now, I
3: want you both to imagine somewhere in the universe is Howard's world. Picture it in your mind. A world almost exactly like ours, except... That the progenitor of the dominant species was not a
4: monkey, but a duck. Some theory. Every school duck knows this stuff. And as Duck climbed up the
3: evolutionary ladder, he said adios to his wings. His mental capacity increases. He begins to develop Beverly.
1: Shopping malls?
3: (laughs) No, tribes. Cro-Magnon Duck who ultimately evolves into Howard. Hey, Blumbert! Uh, Blumbert! Come on. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) Don't move. Don't breathe. (laughs) Did you finish cleaning up the specimen lab? Um, almost finished. Well, get down to the marine life exhibit with a mop. (laughs) Some kid up chucked all over the fern fossils. Right.
4: Good as done, Dr. Chapin. (laughs) So, Filsey, you a scientist or a janitor? Uh, I am a lab assistant.
1: That's terrific. Yep. Just
4: perfect.
0: I'm out of here. Look,
3: it's just a temporary job until I finish school and get my own museum. Yeah, nope.
4: stuff to make a great exhibit.
0: So, he is basically, well, like he says, is a janitor. You know, he says that it's a lab technician and that is a little bit different, but pretty much he's there to clean up all the shit that people don't want to deal with there. And they thought that he actually knew something and maybe he does. If he's going to school, maybe he has the ability to you know discern a couple little things but honestly that pisses Howard off to no end because hey he's brought to a world that one he doesn't really know two that he doesn't know if he can assimilate to and three he didn't have any choice in coming here and all he wants to do is go back home or at least figure out how he got into this world in the first place and of course since he's so upset he gets mad at Beverly tells her to go away scares some kids and then decides that hey you know what? And again, the direction this movie's taking, you know what I gotta do? I gotta find a place to live and I've gotta be able to make my own money in this world because if I'm gonna survive and I'm gonna be able to live here, I'm gonna have to do something. So, where's the first place that you would go if you needed money or anything? Well, you know, if you needed a job, you gotta go to the unemployment office. And again, kids, this was a place where you used to go if you wanted to actually find work. So, unlike nowadays, where you can go online and you can go and find jobs readily, and, you know, a lot of people would use newspapers and shit like that, but this was one of those places where you would go and they would actually try to place you. And so, this is probably my most favorite character of the film, and she only appears once, and it happens to be the person that's been assigned to give him a job. Now,
2: you do know why you were sent to me. My continuing streak of bad luck? (laughs) You've been sent to me because I'm famous for finding jobs for little slackers like you. That's right. They send me all the psycho cases, all the misfits, all the phonies and the fakers Mm. who think that by tracing in here looking outlandish, they're not going to be able to find work. It's my fault
4: I got a shoplift at the Little Tyke section of Goodwill?
2: I'm not talking about your clothes. I'm talking about your face. Hey. You think that by looking controversial, Uh, uh, you're never going to find uh, a job uh, and just go on collecting unemployment and living happy on the public dole. Well, dude, you got another uh, thing coming. uh, uh, Because Cora May always places her interviewee. I'm going to find your ass a job. That'll wipe that snarl right off your face. Little whatever you is. Hmm. In fact. I think I got just the position for you. Hmm. I got a feeling you're going to take to this job like a duck to water.
0: (laughs) And so now we get to see Howard's first job on Earth, and oh my god... He works at a fucking sex spa. Like, the first thing that you see is there's side boob right in front of you. Lady, she has her jacket open. You can see her boob right there. You don't get any nipple. I mean, I get it. Uh And dude's, like, making out with her and kind of starting to feel up on her. Again, PG movie. PG. This is a PG movie. And we're in a fucking sex bathhouse. Uh, And we see that Howard here... There's, he's coming down with like towels and stuff down the hallway, and there's another couple. She's naked on the top, she's holding her boobs so that you don't get anything. But again, PG fucking movie. Like, why isn't this the movie where PG 13 was invented? Why was it the Temple of Doom? Why wasn't it Howard the fucking Duck? Like, this was okay. This was okay back in the days. I shouldn't be complaining, but nowadays, if you think what a PG movie is, a PG movie is basically a G movie. You don't see many G movies lately. Like, all the animated films are PG. Like, they're rarely G unless they're for, like, the five and under crowd. Like, you get VeggieTales the movie or some shit like that. That'll be a G movie. But even the films that are, you know, like Frozen or you fucking, you know, Jungle Book or whatever you want to say, those would all be PG movies. Back in the day, they all used to be G movies, and some of those G movies used to scare the living shit out of me as a kid. Uh But if you rated them now, they would be that. This would be PG-13 nowadays because of the content that's in there. And honestly, um, I think it'd be a little raunchier than even what you want see here. But as a kid, uh, as old as I was back when it came out, man, this wouldn't have been uh, something that I would have been able to see. Uh, so, he, basically, he meets this, like, smarmy owner who's telling him there's a problem with one of the jets. And then you find out at this point that Howard, he actually can't swim. So, ha-ha, he's a duck that doesn't know how to swim, and he gets thrown the water to fix it. Meanwhile, there's another couple back there, naked as the fucking god day God made them, and they're fucking making out, and he's down in the pool. He's like, oh, don't mind me. And then we go over, and we see that the owner, and I used to laugh at this scene a lot, but now I'm fucking disgusted by it. Uh, he's, like, reaching into one of the, like, spas, and it is, like mud-soaked black like somebody had a butt explosion of mammoth proportions and just fucking left it in there because there's a bra that he's pulling out of the fucking pond uh and you know again pg movie uh he doesn't know what the fuck that means but i know what it means now but it's so disgusting He's like oh i get the little guy in here to clean this and then howard runs behind him and knocks him into the sludge and I want to puke because I think that guy just got covered in a load of fucking shit. Uh So either the sewage is bad or, like I said, somebody ate something nasty and just had a butt explosion to mammoth proportions. So he leaves and he goes and takes the bus back home. And then on the bus, everybody's kind of weirded out that there's a duck there. Um And then we go through a little bit of a scene where he sees some TV screens and they're talking about it being duck season soon. And you see a little Ducky Duck cartoon. He kind of freaks out. This is where the duckaroni comes in. Like, this is food to help you serve duck. Like, who knew in Cleveland, like, that ducks were so... Like, duck hunting was so huge. If I went specifically by this movie, I would think it's about losing playoff games and not making it to the Super Bowl. Fuck! Said I wouldn't make any more Cleveland jokes. Oh, well. Uh So, it... Like, he freaks the fuck out because a big giant truck runs by... And starts sounding like it's firing bullets at him or something. And he runs into the alleyway where he first fell down, and it makes him start thinking about going and seeing Beverly once again. So he goes over to the club where Beverly sat. He's able to get in and stay in just fine this time because. For some reason, I guess the regular bouncer, or maybe he paid and that's why he was able to stay there. I don't fucking know. It doesn't make any sense to me because if he wasn't able to get in the first time because they thought he was a kid, why is he able to get in this time? But he gets in there to watch Beverly perform with the Cherry Bombs, and then he sees the owner of the band, or the manager, I guess, of the band, and the owner, I guess, of the club, them discussing what's going on, and the manager basically, like, he's a completely crummy and smarmy type guy and howard is going to get to the middle of one getting their money two getting them released from their management here's the money
4: for the girl i'll make sure
3: they get it <laughs> yeah i'll bet when 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 Bontacious
4: beverly stops holding out on me I've invite her up to my place tonight for a little uh, career manipulation.
1: <laughs>
4: I guess you must be the girl's manager. And if you are, I don't like the way you're talking about Beverly. And I want the girl's money. R- R- Richie? Richie, what is that? Oh, look, Ginger, I warned
3: you when you got into rock management, you'll be dealing with the entertainment types. You know, uh different strokes and all that. Hey, hey, different lifestyles is one thing. Different life
4: forms is another. I'm not in a real good mood tonight, Ginger. I want the girl's money. Now, is this gonna be easy? Or is this gonna be trouble? Hey, Richie. Tell it to go away. I'm not up in all my barnyard languages.
3: Okay, <laughs> duck out your, your gun, battle. your history, your little uh, 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 even no. empty. Oh, no.
0: So Howard gets thrown down the line, and I, before we continue, I know that person. The one that throws him down the bar, uh, that is so familiar. Like, I had to go looking up. And the actor himself, now he has done just basically a bunch of bit roles, kind of like this. But the only time that I've seen him in a full-fledged, like, role for quite a bit of the movie, and it proves to you that these shitty movies, especially, like, 80s, early 90s, are totally related and have the same things, he was in the Super Mario Brothers movie as Spike. Now, if you remember Spike from Super Mario now, he kind of sounds like a, uh, low-class, uh, Bobcat Gothwaite, like the way that he does. And that's where I first was like, yeah, but that's not Bobcat. I know Bobcat. Uh, yeah, me and him are homies, okay? We met once. So, we're legal best friends now. But, um... I was like, no, but I know you from somewhere, so... Fucking Super Mario Brothers. Like, if you remember Spike, he's one of the ones that got turned into a Goomba, which weren't fucking Goombas, and maybe we should talk about that film. Not right now, but at a later fucking time. Uh, so... Again, small world, maybe not really that small. So Howard, he gets thrown down the bar top, and then he pops up back there on the end. He goes back over to the manager, I guess, the owner of the bar. See, I don't really know, like, he acts like one of his goons, but then he's the one paying the guy to be there. So I'm assuming that he's also beating up the bar owner at the same time, and that the staff is helping him beat up the bar owner, because the bartender behind the fucking bar gives him a bottle to fucking break over his face. Uh, but he ends up beating everybody up. Uh, the manager calls for a duck kebab but misses, and Howard sticks the ice pick basically in between his earring and affixes him to the bar top, and that's where he gets the money from him and then talks about space rabies. Oh, no
4: earring in your other ear? I'll just make the hole myself. No, please, man. Don't, man. Please, don't. The money. Sure, sure, here. Here, take the money. Take it. It's yours. Take it. And you're no longer their manager. Listen, okay? everybody in here is a witness. I'm letting the girls out of their contract, okay? Tell your goons to stay back. I'm warning you. Stay back, Richie. I bite your face. You're a dead man, Ginger. What are you talking about?
2: Space rabies.
3: Richie, is that a real disease? I don't know, Ginger. I heard something about that on the news.
2: That's right. Space rabies
4: One bite And it's agonizing death 15 seconds Bite, bite, bite
0: So he manages to get the money and gets them released from the contract. Then he runs upstairs to meet the girls in the backstage green room. How he's able to get back there, I don't really know. But they seem to have pretty shitty security at this place anyway. Because he was able to have this fight, talk about space rabies, and nobody was able to throw him out. Though the first time, he was recognized as being a kid and got thrown out right away. So maybe that guy wasn't working there that night. Uh... Inside the dressing room, he makes up with Beverly. He basically apologizes for what's going on, and Phil shows up. Phil's really excited to see Howard because he's been talking to his friends at a place called Dynatechnics, I believe. Uh, I don't really remember the name of the building. I really don't give a shit, and they're probably going to say it in one of these clips that's coming up. But he tells them that, hey, I gotta go, I gotta talk to my friends, because we think we have a way. And the only thing that he needs is he needs a feather from Howard, which he plucks from his body before he runs away. He lets the girls know that, hey, I got rid of your manager, and you got your money, and goes back over to the apartment with uh Beverly to spend the night. Now, huh. this is the part of the movie that... I don't know why it belongs. And this technically becomes the end of Act 1. Like, everything that's happened so far is all about him. And this is about, I don't know, 45 minutes in total that you're going to go through for Act 1. About him landing, about him trying to assimilate, and him finally coming to terms that he's going to be here. And it all kind of happens, and it culminates in the scene with him and Beverly... About to do stuff. I guess that little condom in his pocket is really going to come in handy if you get what I'm saying. But it's such a weird scene. Like, the beginning of it, we see he goes over to a keyboard. It starts playing a little bit of a ditty. He starts dancing around to it. It's really the theme songs for the movie that you're going to hear at the end. Uh And um then she comes out of the shower. Now, I don't know what to think about this. One, it's wrong. Like... I think I wrote down my notes... What the fuck... 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 Um... Because... Why? Why is this in this goddamn movie? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, she's there in the shower. And then she's coming out of the shower. And this is where... I I know I got my first fucking boner. Like, seeing Leah Thompson in those panties, in that top, fucking even now, hot as a motherfucker. Oh my god. Like, this is... If you think that <laughs> my Jennifer Tilly love... uh, oh, Sorry, Jennifer Tilly still gets most of my attention. But this, this... I don't remember as a kid, I, I mean, I do remember, but I don't remember the feelings that I had for this moment, and I shouldn't have, because there is a fucking duck involved in this situation. The fact that she's dressing like this in front of the duck makes no sense. It's like, come on, we're gonna go watch Letterman. You're gonna hear this whole thing play out. Uh, and it's fucking disturbing. Like, why? Why, why? PG! P-fucking-G! And we have her here giving young boys the biggest fucking boners that they've ever fucking had at their age. And I shouldn't have known what a fucking boner was at that time. Like, or maybe I should have. But who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Like, she is so fucking hot that it is ridiculously wasted on a fucking duck. Like, oh my god. Like, you can see things poking through the top. It's it's 80s panties, but they're like 80s lingerie panties. So like, why would you agree to this? Why? Like this is, this is what's going to get you. Howard, the duck is going to be the film that breaks you. So Howard, the duck is going to be the film where I'm going to show off in sexy lingerie. Like what the hell? Uh, I just, I don't get it. I don't know if I want to get it. And I want Howard to get out of this movie so I can get more of that. Like that's where it's at. And Honestly, uh, let let us just go through it because I I can't I can't deal with it right now.
1: you should be our manager. Wait a second. Maybe you're just the kind of bizarro influence we need.
4: Forget it. No more jobs here.
1: Uh-uh. I think you'd be a great manager. I'm gonna suggest it to the girls.
4: I've given up trying to assimilate. Mm-hmm. I've got to get back to my own kind. Although, I have developed a greater appreciation for the female version of the human anatomy.
1: Ow! Howard, you really are the worst. <laughs> Come on, let's watch David Letterman. Hmm. Come on.
4: Okie dokie.
1: You know, I got a feeling my life's really going to change since you fell into a ducky.
4: Yeah, well... I'm glad somebody's happy.
1: If I could just get my career back on course, I'd only have the old standard worry left. What's that? Just can't seem to find the right man.
4: Maybe it's not a man you should be looking for.
1: Ah. You think I might find happiness in the animal kingdom, Ducky?
4: Like they say, Dal, Love's strange. We could always give it a try.
3: Hmm.
1: okay let's go for it mr Lacho.
4: what do you mean okay
1: it was joke mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> listen <sighs> i'm pretty tired it's just that you're so incredibly soft and cuddly bev let's be realistic i mean my apartment's zillions of miles from here <gasps> you're three feet taller than i am
1: oh <gasps> i just can't resist your intense animal magnetism uh-huh
4: whoops anyway where will it all lead marriage kids a house in the suburbs let's
1: just face it it's fate no it's not I've got a headache and I got the aspirin be gentle just one good night kiss sweet ducky come on Howard I was just kidding
0: Okay, this is terrible. Like, the whole scene, like, I get it, it's kind of like playing around, okay? You can totally take it as that. But honestly, are you going to, let's, let's put a human in this situation, okay? Are you gonna play around with a situation like he's gonna be there and it's gonna be, you know, oh, well, maybe we should, you're joking around with a friend, but are you gonna go to bed like that with a friend? Like, if that's the way the thing's going to be. And then she gets on top of him and there's the silhouette at the end where she's giving him a kiss on top of the lips. And then it honestly looks like she's about to start going down further south. But luckily, the whole scene is interrupted by Act 2, where Phil and his doctor friends show up. So this is where we first get a look at Jeffrey Jones. Now, everybody knows Jeffrey Jones. I'm not going to go into any of the shit. But back in the 80s, he seemed to be, like, the go-to guy for really creepy roles. And he's in one of my favorite movies starring John Ritter, which is Stay Tuned. Like, where he plays the devil. I believe that it's him that plays the devil. And i probably write on this situation. But, of course, my memory, you know, being an old man, it's whatever it is. But it's crazy, like how many films he was that I fucking love to watch. And this is one of those roles in one of those films where it's like, huh, I don't know. It takes a weird turn and I'm not sure whether or not I like it. And that's because the whole tone of the film changes from this moment. Like Everything in the beginning of the film is about how he's come to earth and how he's trying to assimilate with everything. And then he starts getting the whole, like, music thing. Maybe he's falling in love with Beverly. Who knows what the fuck is going on. They almost have sex. And that's what I'm assuming is actually going to happen. But it doesn't happen. So now it's about him trying to get home. But it's not really about that at the same time. It's now going to turn into a monster movie. Like, that's what happens next. He literally, like, first, we meet these doctors, and they explain to him uh, that the feather that was taken from him and the feather that happened to fall on the night of the big experiment are exactly the same feather from the same person. Bill?
3: Oh, I'm sorry. The door was open.
1: (laughs) Who the hell are they?
3: Um, This is uh, my friend Carter, and uh, this is Dr. Walter Jenning, and uh, I told them all about you, Howard. You were obviously right. Show, uh, show him the evidence.
4: What evidence? We tested them. and They're both from the same fowl. You, Howard. My feathers? <sighs> Howard, Howard, <sighs> don't go berserk! No. On my planet, we <clears throat> never say die, we say kill! Now wait a minute.
5: <clears throat> Listen to me, small visitor. I can explain how you got here.
0: So, of course, the biggest question that comes out of this is why don't you lock your fucking door? If you think that you're going to try to get it on with a little humanoid duck person, why wouldn't you lock your front door? Or in fact that you live in a crappy apartment like this, why wouldn't you lock your front door? And if you were the friend, why would you just suddenly assume that it's okay just to walk into the place? Yes, he's the boyfriend of one of your bandmates, and see, I remember as a little kid, I always thought that... He had a little thing for her, but it turns out it's not. And then when you come in there and you do interrupt what's going on, you don't make any noise. You just automatically figure out a way to be creepy so that they can see you. Because, hey... You want to see him maybe get his duck rocks off too, because maybe you've been ironing her from the corner, and you really want to see what she looks like underneath. And you know what? Bestiality tends to be out to be really your thing, and so, hey, why not watch a duck fuck a human? It might be good. And you can find out whether or not he actually has that corkscrew dick or not. So, let's digress a little more, and he's going to explain exactly how Howard was brought here. Dr. Jennings is in charge of the astrophysics lab at Dynatechnics. Now, on the night of September 8th... That's the
1: night that Howard landed.
0: Yes,
5: now, on that night, we were initiating our first full-scale test of the laser spectroscope. This was shot during the experiment. It was just a routine procedure meant to measure the density of the gases that surround Alpha Centauri. However, partway through the experiment, there was a deviation, and uh, we lost control of the laser spectroscope.
4: What do you mean, lost control? Some unknown force
5: was redirecting the laser beam from its original target so that it hit your planet instead
4: hit my planet how about hit my living room talk about an invasion of privacy when the beam hit you must have been caught up in a massive energy inversion which literally
5: dragged you through space back to the power source here on earth radical in the lab that night we saw a single feather fall We weren't aware that the rest of you, Howard, had landed in that alley just
4: two miles away. Any questions? Yeah. Where are my pants?
1: Howard, where are you going?
4: To this lab of theirs. What for? To hop back on board that laser thing. Then all you have to do is hit the reverse lever to send me back home, right? Right. Well, we hadn't considered reversing the process. I don't think it's feasible. Me either. Now wait
5: a minute. If we could generate a strong enough hypercharge, you can't do that.
3: You mean the reflex mode might provoke a total uh-huh. reversal? Just might be possible. It won't work. Yeah, sir. Don't, don't listen to them, Howard. I have got you booked on AM Cleveland. We can get the cover of Science Digest. We, we, Butt out, Four, we, four Eyes.
5: Can,
1: Look, yeah. We it. Look, you guys. Could you really send him back?
5: If we did. We could establish a continuing link between our planets, but he would have to leave tonight while the alignment yeah. still exists. We can't afford to wait.
4: You mean I'm finally going to breeze this fly trap?
1: Ducky, this is what you wanted. You're going home.
4: Yeah.
5: Right. Carter, call Larry. Have him set up the initiation procedure. Tell him I'll meet him at the lab right away. You and Blumberg can bring Howard. You are about to make history a second time, my little...
0: So they decide to pile up in the family roadster and head over to the lab all together. Of course, Jeffrey Jones, Dr. Jennings goes ahead of everybody to get everything set up and to make sure that everything's working properly. Before they leave, though, you know, Bev, she decides to give him some Polaroids. I don't know where she got them from, but they're probably the type of Polaroids that you take with you on a long trip when you're not going to see your loved one for a while to make sure that you're the one that they're jerking off to and not necessarily you jerking off to anybody else that you see there on the road. So they all pile up in the van. Of course, Howard gets sentimental one last time because he really does have some feelings for Beverly. Bev, I'm... Not a real sentimental guy.
1: No. I bet you were born from a very hard-boiled egg, Kentucky. Yeah.
4: But I do keep wondering, of all the alleys in the world I could have fallen into that night, why did it have to be yours? Because right now, you're the one and only thing that's
0: making it very hard for me to leave. Okay, let's get this straight. How long have you actually known her? About, let's say you've been on our planet for a week. Just a week. Maybe longer. Let's give you a month, okay? Because you were working that shitty job for a while. And, you know, you had to make some money, you were living on your own somewhere, whatever it is, I don't know. But you've only really seen her and known her for about two fucking days. And just because you were about to get a blowy from her, that means all of a sudden, hey, oh, you also got the naked Polaroids, too, I totally forgot. That this is what's making it hard for you to leave. Like, there was no other time frame. You barely know this guy, she barely knows you, yet you guys have some magical fucking bond whatever. So they go over to this lab and they see that there's no security out in front and that there's nobody there on the inside as they go down the hallways. When they enter inside the big laboratory with a giant satellite uh well laser thing or whatever you want to call it, uh that things have gone awry and that the next act actually begins.
1: Howard where are you going?
0: Larry, where's Dr. Jenny? Alright, let me let me show you this. He was reactivating the laser
4: spectroscope. Uh-huh. We lost control again, and there was another explosion. And Jenning caught the full force of the blast this time. Is he all right? Where is he? You, you see, the bottom of the spectroscope blew into the wall, and Jenning just, just disappeared. Excuse me, but is this going to delay my takeoff? Is that is that it?
2: That's unbelievable. Yeah. We brought Howard down the first time, but what if... Oh my God, Larry, what if we brought down something else this time?
0: So now the police have completely come to this lab and covered it and decided to search everybody because of the explosion that it went on. Supposedly this is all underground stuff. Nobody knew that they were actually doing these types of things, so it was all off the clock and now the police are somehow suddenly involved. Don't know, I would expect that, like, fire and rescue and stuff would actually be there instead, because a giant fucking explosion happened, yet there's no fire, there's no flames anywhere, you're able to walk freely around the whole place, and the only person that seemed to get hurt was Dr. Jennings. Like, nothing else really happened, why bring all these people, especially if it's a top secret fucking project that nobody fucking knows about, right? So, so of course, the police want to restrain everybody. They're restraining all the scientists, and they restrain Howard. We get to meet the policeman that's now going to be chasing him for the whole second app. Well, I guess maybe he's the detective. I don't know his fucking name. I really don't give a shit. This is where the movie, honestly, kind of loses a lot of people. Because, and, and maybe I'm being general about that whole type of statement, but I really feel that it does, because... This is when it becomes the second movie. Like, I think that there's a really good, earnest, funny movie in the beginning half. Yes, it's a little cheesy. Yes, it's got duck tits. Yes, it has fucking bestiality in it. All these types of things. But I think that if it was more just about him, like, assimilating, like, you could split this into two parts. You can make this Howard the Duck 2 and Howard the Duck. So what exactly is the first one? Is him just trying to assimilate life from the real world and then ultimately falling for Beverly, if you want to make that the plot point, and then, you know, becoming, helping her do what she needs to do, and you only have an extra, like, half an hour left, maybe 40 minutes of the movie, and you cut it off right at an hour and a half, and you have a decent movie. Is it the best movie? No. But it would be much better than what they've, kind of set up here because what they're going to like try to do now even if you just got to this point of okay well there's a way for him to get home and then he decides the last minute you know what even though they can send me home i've decided to stay here and that's it and then your stinger is leading to this half of this movie like it could be good, it could be bad, I don't know, maybe you never get the chance to make the second movie, but I think that you've combined these two movies together it doesn't necessarily work it just makes it longer and makes the things that are bad stand out more now that we get into the second half of the movie Uh and so now we're basically having these cops, they're going around, they've gotten everybody and they have to strip search Howard because they don't think that he's actually a duck Because, I don't know, duck tits or something like that, or they need to make sure they find duck dick. So he gets embarrassed in front of the cops, and they decide to arrest everybody else, especially Phil, because he doesn't have ID, so he's being sent away. Howard and Beverly figure out a plan to get Howard out of there by, one, knocking a cop into... Because he's really interested in the cigar, right? Cops, sees one and I'm assuming this is one of Howard's cigars... That he's going to have that Howard goes over there and lights it instead because Bev is following them around like, hey, you need to release Howard, but they don't have her fucking locked up either. Like it doesn't make any sense. Phil fucking gets thrown into a fucking cop car and arrested but Beverly, no. Did she happen to have ID and that's the reason why? Or is it just like, oh, she's a woman she can't do shit so we're just gonna fucking leave her alone. But no, she keeps bothering him to the point that when he goes to get the cigar, Howard lights it, throws in the trash can, it's like, oh my god, fire and then he knocks him in there. She grabs the cop's gun, which is a really fucking smart thing to do. Yeah, let's go after the cop's fucking gun and then fucking holds the cop at, like, fucking gunpoint while she gets the damn keys for the handcuffs that are on Howard. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Like, why why isn't she detained? Make... You... You did this to yourself, you stupid son of a bitch. Like, you allowed this to happen. You're dumb enough to try to go, one, get a cigar while you're on fucking duty instead of just taking him over to wherever you need to fucking take him. And two, that you let her fucking take your... Like, was it not secured enough that she was able to get in there and get the fucking gun? Like, what the hell happened? What the fuck is wrong with you? So... She They get away and then all the cops are looking out for Howard and they say basically he's dangerous now that he has a weapon, shoot to kill, and they do manage to escape the cops for the time being and run into Dr. Jennings. Dr. Jennings somehow survived the big explosion and the bottom of the dish, like, slamming him into a wall or some shit like that. And so the three of them escape in Dr. Jennings' little station wagon, ramming through the gates and evading the cops. Uh, as they start to drive out, I really wanted to deal with a little bit of the dialogue that was in here, but it was literally like five seconds of dialogue, fucking just the car driving, then for another like, 15 to 20 seconds. So much to fucking clip, but basically all you have to know is that Dr. Jennings realizes there's something going wrong with him as he's trying to drive the car, and he basically almost passes out. They... Are trying to figure out how to drive. Bev tells Howard to step on the brake but how is Howard going to do it at 3 foot 2 and she has to reach over and eventually they do manage to stop the car uh, after a lot of carnage weaving in and out of cars, not being able to control the car very well and that's when they stop and we realize that someone else has taken over the body of Dr. Jennings. I'm dead.
4: (laughs) Yes! you are you think that's funny jenning i'm not jenning anymore
0: the transformation
2: is complete i am now someone else try
0: telling that to your insurance company
1: i think you need some coffee Come
0: on. the voice okay so this is where we need to talk about it and before you know spoil alert for In just a couple seconds. But that's the Dark Overlord that's talking to both Howard and Bev now. And so now we've got this thing. And it's... It seems like it's so out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, we went from... Okay, this is whimsical. He's trying to get associated with life. We see all this fun stuff. Now we get into, like, seriousness. Because the Dark Overlord has come down and taken... But there's still stupid jokes in there at the same time. Like... The fact that he just like, I'm someone else. Like, really? That's the line that you want to use? Like, was it ad-libbed? Like, Jeffrey Jones' voice for this, if it is his voice, um, Which is something I probably should have fucking looked up. But it has hints of them there. But it kind of sounds like Cobra Commander at the same time. I'm going to get you, Joe. Like, that's what's, like, going on here. So maybe Jeffrey Jones at one point or another was the Cobra Commander and I just never fucking knew it. Or maybe the Cobra Commander mixed with Jeffrey Jones is what the fucking Dark Overlord sounds like. But he doesn't quite sound like this when he talks later in the film, you know, once he's gotten out of the body. But still, like, having it be someone else doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you just say what you are, when you are, whatever, because they end up going into the diner. So they almost crash into the diner, and after he explains that he's fucking dead or that Dr. Jennings is dead... They go inside and decide to get something to eat because they don't quite believe what's going on. You get an awkward conversation. And this is such a weird diner because it's like a Japanese American diner. Like all the waitresses are wearing like country style dresses, but then they have a Japanese headband on at the same time. And I'm just like, is this like some type of diner slash sushi bar that they're at? But no, they're in some like, Random establishment that they've got going on here. So there's a scene with one of the waitresses, which is, you know, it's kind of funny. She thinks that Howard's wearing a duck costume and she's a little kid and that either Beverly is his sister or that's like his mom and that's her, their father over at the other side. Like the, the way that he deteriorates like so quickly, like he's already sweating really red. His eyes are kind of sunken in. Is still talking like this. Like, it's so weird and so fucking annoying, to be honest with you. Uh That, actually, it's, it's not terrible, but it could be better. I'm just, I think that it's like Cobra Commander, or it's like <laughs> Paranormal Pat's version of Cobra Commander when he makes the voice. Actually, maybe this is Paranormal Pat, like, just doing a voiceover for this film after all. Ah, weird. Anyway, so they basically get into discussion with her. She, you know, eventually tells them, hey, you got to order something to be here. So they order three specials and they go off. And that's where they try to get a little more information from whomever has taken over Dr. Jennings' body.
4: Listen, Dr. J, you who, if you could tune back into reality for a second... (laughs) I don't understand anything you're talking about Mm -mm. All I know is I need that laser machine to get me home Is it still working, Jenning? Jenning!
2: I told you, birdbrain I am not Jenning anymore I am now one of the dark overlords of the universe
1: Mm, Dark overlord of the universe? That
4: must be quite a responsibility Tonight
2: the laser beam made the nexus of summoners.
1: What is that?
4: A suburb of Cleveland?
2: <laughs> it lies beyond the planets. It is a region of demons. Mm-hmm. To which we dark overlords were exiled eons ago.
4: I hope you're getting all this.
1: Howard, what I'm getting is that this man is very, very sick.
2: Just as you were brought down here accidentally tonight, the laser beam released me. From that region of demons And pulled me down Into that lab Small universe During the explosion I entered Jennings body So I have disguised My true form Which would be considered Hideous And revolting here
1: Lucky for the people eating Mm Mm-hmm through specials. What's wrong?
2: This will mean the extinction of all existing life forms.
1: You haven't even
4: tasted it yet. What do you think? i mean the cannibalism or something?
1: Hey, are we like all in the same discussion here? I'll give you a hint, doll. What's white, ovoid,
4: oh and always reminds me of my birthday? Ah. The eggs. Get them out of here.
0: Gosh,
1: you know, hostility is like a psychic boomerang.
0: Come on, lady, you know you can't serve a duck eggs. That's fucking messed up, man. And you're the one that suggested the special without even telling them what's in there. Like, okay, and then you should totally be blaming fucking Beverly in this situation, Howard. Because she said, let's get three specials with three beers. Who the hell orders, like, breakfast food with beer unless you're a fucking alcoholic? Also, that quote at the end, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, but it makes no sense. So, <laughs> it, it was, hostility is like a psychic boomerang. What? Like, it's well, it's a well-written quote, and I would love to use it in something else. Like, if I can find a reason to use it, maybe I'm just gonna stick it into shit. But honestly, like, it makes no sense. If anybody can give me a good de- explanation of this, I don't know, I'll figure out something to do for you guys, or or whatever. I'll give you a shout-out in the next podcast. But honestly, like, (laughs) that makes no sense to me. So, it's gonna come back to come at you, if you're hostile to people? Because he's upset the fact that you're feeding him fucking eggs and he's a fucking duck. Don't you get it? You may think that it's a Halloween costume, but... You know, at the same time, you've got to understand, maybe he's totally into the cosplay at this point. Like, he, there's no way that he's going to be able to get out of this, and he has to constantly act like the Duck 24-7. We also learn here that someone else is the Dark Overlord of the Galaxy. I know I ruined it already, but hey, here we are. Uh So, he's what was brought through uh er- or was basically, like, they kind of make it seem like it was an accident that he was brought through on this one. Um That the first time the accident was pointing it over into Howard's territory... What it kind of makes me feel like is that maybe the first time wasn't necessarily an accident. The first time was, hey, we're going to point it over to Howard's, like, direction just to make sure that it works and that somebody actually can show up on the other side. Because, hey, if they get dragged through the recess of space, like, they could just fucking die and not even make it to the planet. And now Howard has proven that, hey... The beam allows you to breathe you're going through galaxies and galaxies and galaxies until you hit Earth. So the second time that they were pointing it at his planet and they had the right trajectory, some other force were, you know, the Dark Overlords. Oh, I'm sorry. The Dark Overlords. Oh, no, no, that's for, meant for someone else. So the Dark Overlords instead changed it. To wherever their planet was. And so this time it brought one of the dark overlords. God damn it. I meant to for someone else. Oh, I mean someone else. So instead they brought one of those over this time. Which is now taken over Jennings' body. Yes, there's a lot of confusion there. Yes, there's probably a lot of mistakes in that statement. But okay, we're leaving it in there. Because I've literally edited that part like seven times. So... Uh, he basically also showed him, proved him that he was one of the dark overlords, because he was able to explode a a bottle of ketchup and a bottle of mild mustard, which I don't think I've ever seen before. I've seen regular Heinz mustard, but mild mustard, they have other types of mustard that Heinz serves... If somebody lets me know, they'll get something too. Maybe a shout out in the next episode and tell me that there's like seven different types of Heinz mustard. Now I know there's things like brown mustard, spicy mustard, and all the other fun stuff. But I thought that Heinz and like French's and those guys, there's one type. Yellow fucking mustard. And that's fucking it. So anyway. So we continue with the conversation after they've taken the eggs away. And we hear more about what the dark overlord's plan is actually going to be. It is time now. What's that? It is the code key.
2: It will activate the laser spectroscope when I use it tonight to bring down the other dark overlords.
4: The others? Now he's got a whole gang. Well, screw him. I got dibs on the laser first. Give me that code key. That's my ticket home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nothing! Look at his face! Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah? Soon the dark overlords will engulf the earth. Yeah. Nothing human will remain here. Yeah? Well, not the ducks
4: remaining here either.
0: Move! We're going!
1: Uh, you'll get the check!
4: Tag- <sighs> eat and run!
0: So Howard grabs the gate key and then gets stopped by a bunch of rednecks who are basically trying to make fun of him and everybody at the table. But Howard here is being a complete and utter dick. Whereas in the beginning of it, he was just kind of like, uh, and you know that he wanted to get out there and there was a sentimental part to him but all of a sudden he went from, man, Beverly, it's making me so hard to leave here because of you, to, oh man, I just need to get the fuck out of here so I don't care if this guy's here and he starts fucking with people and he does all this stuff and he brings death and destruction to Earth, I need that fucking key to get home. Like, when did you turn into such a fucking unlikable dick? This is what happens in the second half of the movie. A lot of this is spent with him not fucking learning anything and just thinking of his fucking self and it seems like it's such a switch Like, I understand in the beginning that he had those feelings. Like, he's like, man, I'm just tired of assimilating here. You know, that's what he was telling Beverly before he could find out that maybe he would actually go home. And then once he found out that, and he's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. You guys, I'm not even going to worry about this shit anymore. If you guys die, you die. And Beverly is totally fine with this shit, too. Like, she doesn't give him any shit about it. Like, dude, maybe we should do something about this. But anyway, some other guys come up, and they get in a kerfuffle there with, uh you know, Howard where Howard's hitting him in the face with pies and eventually they all grab him and they are going to take him to the back because for some reason he's totally pissed off everybody in the fucking diner. Like she's asking the waitress, Hey, can you do something? The waitress is like, no, we always have fights here. It's okay. Like they like this type of thing and they're going to go in the back and basically chop his legs off and make duck legs, which I don't even think that was a thing, but they're probably just going to cook the rest of him. So, you know, Beverly does the only thing that she thinks that she can do, which is, one, try to get the dark overlord involved in the whole thing, as well as, you know, shout something really ridiculous. Put him
3: down! May be a duck, but you people are animals! He's
1: my boyfriend!
2: That's disgusting!
1: You're not making me proud on, to be a human Let me just pay the check and I'm out of here Ow. 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 I can't believe you're just sitting here Look what they're doing to Howard Oh, jeez Chicken fried oh, Where's the SPCA when you need
2: him? I am not amused I'm going to barbecue your bill, bird oh, Great duck in
1: heaven. Is this the end of Howard? Oh, there's going to be more violence I hate violence You got to go in there and beat him up Jenning! Down Jenning! On. Don't just sit down, there. This is
2: serious. They're going to cook me. Oh, Take that. Stop! Uh, uh, Any
3: last words? Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Jenning! <laughs> He's my favorite duck. You hardly know him. Jenning!
4: They're seasoning me. Wait. You better let me up. You don't want to get my friend angry. Oh, I'll, yeah? I'll... Why? Because he's one of the dark overlords of the universe, and he can destroy you and the Earth, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't bite it at first either.
1: Look, they're laughing at you! And they've got Mr. Code Key. Oh my god.
0: So, of course, now the dark overlord is actually going to step in, because, hey, they've got his gay key, and he's... You know, gotta use that to bring more of his kind over to the planet and fucking rule and kill everybody here. You know, I never understood that, why you'd want to just, like, be here and rule over and kill everything. You know, you just need another planet to regenerate your species. What exactly is going on over Dark Lord? If you could explain a little more of the reasons why you're doing what you're doing, that would be great. So he starts basically fucking everybody up inside of it and throwing lightning bolts all over the place, and eventually he knocks Howard unconscious and takes Beverly along with him. There's a really kind of cool effect where they move all the tables in front of the door and then they move them away as he leaves, Um and honestly, maybe we should really stop for a second and talk about the effects in this film. They are interesting, but this is old 80s-like where you have animations on top of people's uh you know, faces and stuff. So, like, when he is throwing, like, his bolts of power, they're all animated overlays on top of the film, right? And it looks really awkward and weird. When his eyes glow, it doesn't look like it fits quite right. When he gets all crazy and lights up because he's throwing stuff around, it looks really cheesy and ridiculous. But some of the practical effects still hold up well. It's including, which I really haven't talked about, uh Howard's costume. Like as it gets later on the film, things don't do as much. I know there were a lot of actors that were actually inside the costume. I think it totals out at six or seven different actors, and I don't know if there was one that was the primary, uh but there is one of you go to the IMDb page for the movie of the top 4 stars in the film, the voice actor of Howard is number 5. And one of the actors in the suit is actually number four. Which, okay, I can kind of give that because, hey, you know, the the guys in the suits, they're doing a lot more than the guy that's just reading a bunch of lines inside of a booth. So, but the... The mask itself, like, it has a lot of really interesting animatronics in some cases. And in other cases, it just looks like somebody put on a duck mask and is just fucking walking around. So, your mileage varies with how well the actual Howard the Duck costume works. But I think it still looks pretty good and holds up pretty well, being that this is from 87. So, uh, so... He takes Bev, and they think that he's left Howard to die because he almost runs over him with a Mack truck when Howard goes after, chasing after them. Uh, And then he's able to duck and completely go underneath uh, the truck, and they drive off into the night. So Howard is left there, while the cops, they start showing up at the restaurant. Meanwhile, inside the Mack truck, we see that Dr. Jennings, well, the Dark Overlord now, is explaining why exactly he left Beverly alive.
2: I need your body. Creep, I've heard that one before. Dark blood cannot exist on this planet unless they grow inside a human body.
1: God no!
0: <laughs>
1: I
3: hurt the
0: energy. And now we get better one of the better animatronics of the film when. Dr. Jennings opens his mouth and the tentacle comes out of him because he's really, he doesn't live off of food like he says, but he lives off of, I guess, electricity or some type of power source like that because the giant tentacle comes out of his mouth and then plugs directly into the cigarette lighter, which makes me believe that, like, isn't that going to drain the battery of the Mack truck? Maybe it's huge, but they're driving down the road while that thing's completely connected inside of it. So he 's getting some of the energy he needs back. We cut back over into the uh restaurant, and we see the cops have completely covered the place. We see him talking with the waitress and she explains that you know when she thought it was just a you know, kid in a costume, and then she was like. But, you know, Halloween is less than a month or is over a month away, so he couldn't have been in the costume. Meanwhile, we see that Phil is traveling around with them for some fucking reason. Like, he's still in the back of the car and they decided to chase them down this way and take him with them? Why wouldn't they just take him to the fucking jail? But, you know what? He's needed for the plot, so of course he's gonna come along with him. Howard is pretending to be a a chicken or something in the distance in the playground and gets the attention of Phil to where he explains that Jennings has kidnapped Beth.
4: Howard, I got arrested at the plant. I'm going to have a criminal record. Uh, Jenny kidnapped Beverly. He's taking her back to that science lab. What? Why? He's some kind of monster. He's going to bring down more of his buddies. He's got big plans, like taking over Earth. Filzy, we got to get out of here.
3: Howard, um, the store doesn't have any handles. Get a rock or something and break this window. Rock? Window.
4: Let me try the door first. Ugh. Oh, how are we getting out of here? Come on.
0: Okay, so that's like the worst cop car in fucking history because he's able to get to the front seat and then get out the open window in the front seat. Like, there's no cage in between the two, and maybe that's the way that some 80s cops' cars were, but I always kind of remember that cage being there because you don't want somebody to be able to fucking do that if you fucking leave them in the car. Secondly, he should know, as everybody knows, and I know, if there isn't a handle on the inside of the door, that the outside door handle works as long as the door is unlocked. So, if he's able, if the front wind should, like, window is completely Open, you would think that he'd be able to reach in and unlock the fucking door while he was handcuffed in the back of the fucking patrol car. So they run off and they actually find something that's going to allow them to fucking escape from the whole thing with the cops. And it turns out to be somebody's plane that they've been working on.
3: It looks like an airplane. It will be. We can put it together
4: in no time. Somebody's weekend hobby is going to get us back to that lab. Hey, we've got a saying on my planet. If God intended us to fly, He wouldn't have taken away our wings. That's
3: really profound,
4: Howard. Could you find the toolbox? Yeah. I know why you want a toolbox. You got a screw loose.
0: Now, Howard does suggest that why don't we just take a fucking cop car, and honestly, I think that might have been the best fucking solution, because maybe they could have driven off and nobody would have known, but of course, Howard can't really drive the car, so it would have been Phil doing it. But instead, Phil's going to spend his whole fucking night while fucking Bev and, you know, the doctor, good doctor here, are going away and going back to the fucking uh lab that th- there is, Putting together a fucking plane to make sure that it fucking works and they can fly off. Like, it makes no sense why you would waste your time in doing that and maybe not doing a car chase because that's what fucking happens next. Is that there's a couple things that go on along with uh the, you know, the guys with the Mack truck with Dr. Jennings and Bev and there's a couple things that go on with them. So the first thing that happens, and, and I'll talk about this first part with the Doctor and Bev first, and this is kind of all intersplaced with each other inside the movie. Well, he still needs power, and so they decide that they're going to go uh to a nuclear plant, and then he's going to go inside the fucking reactor to get all the power that he needs. He ties her up really shittily. Like, this is the worst rope job that I think I've ever seen before. Like, if you're going to tie somebody in the back of the car, you should be winding it around her a little much, uh, better than you're actually doing in this situation because she obviously should be able to get out of this like right away. And maybe because he's a dark overlord doesn't really understand how ropes work or some shit like that, he thought that this would be the best way. But she's actually able to untie herself but not in time. See, he's able to actually get in there, get the energy he needs and get back to the car so that they can start driving their way back to the laboratory. Uh, meanwhile, we see that Howard and Phil have completed the aircraft and they bust out of there on a basically long fucking chase scene of them not being able to fly very much. Now, Howard himself has never flown a plane before, but you think that they could have at least raced it up a little more, but no, Phil even tells him, hey, you've got to keep it low. Uh, and that's good enough for the cops to fucking follow after them. And it doesn't make any sense because there's a bunch of, like, marshlands and fucking lakes and stuff. Because I guess it's fucking, at least at one point, they do go to, like, a duck festival. Like, a duck hunting festival. And I don't, again, outside of Cleveland, I didn't know that this fucking existed out there. I'm gonna have to talk to a couple of people I know from that area and find out whether or not this is fucking true. But... Who knew that duck hunting festivals actually exist? So, they're out there, uh, and they don't fly, like I said, over any of the water that's out there. Instead, they fly along the road so the cops can keep up with them at the same time. When they do get to the town with a duck hunting festival, there's an odd little scene where he does go out over the water. Like, the only time where he spends a lot of time out on the water, and does this.
2: Death from the skies to all duck hunters! Tora, tora. Oh! Ah!
0: Yeah! Oh, ah! Ah! So he doesn't know how to really fly, but he's able to go over the water and fucking act like a Japanese fucking kamikaze bomber to all the duck hunters that are out there on the water. Okay, I totally fucking believe this. And he actually, there has a. Decent stunt where they land on top of a, um, moving like freight truck where they stop for a second. The cops are all firing at them. There's a scene where they fire like a shotgun and it hits the fuel line, doesn't explode or anything. It just manages to loosen the fucking fuel, like, pi- like little tube that's there. I was going to say pipe, but it's not a fucking pipe. It's a fucking tube and it loosens that and they put holes in the wings and everything and like, it makes no sense that he's able to fucking put it back together right away fix everything that's going on so they can keep flying uh, and meanwhile we actually get a relatively well I don't know if you want to call it a funny scene but I enjoyed this scene where you see Bev and uh, the Dark Overlord there they come up to like a smog point and basically he takes care of the the cars in the line and the cop
3: smog device inspection and I need Shut off the engine! It is off, somebody's pushing! Whiplash! Whiplash! I'm gonna throw it down!
2: Shut it down! What the hell's wrong with you? I wanna see your license, Jack. I have no license. I am not Jack.
0: I just like the fact that he says, I'm not Jack, and then he fucking torches the guy. Like, it's. Probably wrong. Not necessarily wrong, but it's not necessarily a great little scene, but I like that little scene so much. And I can't explain it. I just really do. So they actually end up back at the lab. We go back over and we see that they're still having problems flying. And eventually they also get over to the lab in their flying machine and they crash into the fountain. And that's where Phil learns that Howard can't swim and even has to say, man, a duck that can't swim. What the hell's up with that? Like it's, it's weird. Uh, and the whole chase scene is meant to be kind of entertaining, but I just find it too long. I find that it's not very entertaining at all. There's, a, like I said, the one scene that goes up on top where he lands on top of the truck, that's kind of cool. There's a scene where after, you know, uh Phil has fixed the engine that he falls off and he's getting hit in the face in the water because Howard's not going up high enough. Howard does a loop-de-loop at one point and Phil's about to choke him because he had him in the water, and then he falls down, and then he's, like, running. Like, it's kind of funny, but it's not necessarily the best scene in the world, and I don't know why it even needs to be in this film, uh, other than to have a chase scene. That's, like, the only reason that it seems like it's even uh a part of the movie at all. So you go from this and they both have arrived at the lab. Inside the lab you have Dr. Jennings and Bev. She's tied up to a table and getting ready to accept the bodies of the Dark Lord uh, who are gonna take over her body and basically spawn from that, I guess. He hasn't spawned yet from Jennings' body, so I don't know exactly what's going on, but we see that, you know, he's explaining his plan a little more to bring more overlords. Guys, He's starting the spectroscope.
4: Jeez. He's gonna bring down another dark overlord. We gotta get Beverly out of there. Hey,
3: take hey, it easy, Conan. What are you gonna fight him with? We gotta find some kind of. Wait. Carter showed me something here once that might do it, if we can find it.
1: You'll never get away with this! Yeah!
0: We'll find it.
1: Come on, Halsey.
0: So now we're set for the final act where it's going to be Howard versus the Dark Overlord. What Phil is talking about is a neutron disintegrator that they managed to find in the back. It's locked up in a cage, but it's locked up with the shittiest lock in the world to where Phil's able to actually break the lock and then somehow gets out of the handcuffs. Because he hasn't been out of the handcuffs this entire time that he's been flying with Howard. Yet when they get over into, like they bring the a big giant vehicle that they're going to use to sneak up on the dark overlord over here and blast him with the neutron disintegrator. He's lost his jacket and he's managed to lose his fucking handcuffs, but you never watch him actually take the handcuffs off. Like, I'm like, where did they go? what happened how did you manage to get them out like did howard go in there and take the hammer and like bust it in the center or did you take the neutron disintegrator and fire the one shot you know it had a preciseness to break them apart or is phil fucking he-man in disguise and he was able to call in the power of attorney and just fucking break those locks and then revert back by the time we got to the next scene i'm gonna go with number three because that seems to be the one that's the most fun but anyway, so they outfit the whole thing, and when they try to roll it into the <laughs> the area where the Dark Lord is, uh, they accidentally hit on the uh, extreme mode to where it busts through the wall and creates all this fucking panic and alerts them to his presence. So they run over there. Now, this is the, one of the scenes that I cut the most because what happens in the scene is they're going to discuss basically trying to get this together and then Phil, he grabs a satellite dish and is able to block the blast from the Dark Overlord. Now, it takes a while for those blasts to finish up and Howard can't quite figure out how to get the stupid thing rolling and I'll explain it afterwards, but it makes no sense why this is required if they were able to, like, not surprise him earlier. (laughs)
4: Let's crank her up. Ah! Ha. Hurry. Where's that button? It won't start. Oh,
2: my God. Ah. Watch
4: out! Ah. Jump, Howard. This is our only chance. Get out of there. Duck. And proud of it. Ah. <laughs> Filsey. You saved my life! Are you alright?
3: Terrific, Howard.
4: It still won't start!
0: Try the seatbelt, Howard.
3: Seatbelt?
0: Okay, so when he clips the seatbelt together, that's when the vehicle is able to start and he's able to drive it around. But how the hell did they lose control of it before if the seatbelt wasn't fucking fastened? Like, he wouldn't have been able to drive that thing and wouldn't be able to do what it needed to do If the seatbelt was originally fastened. Like, it was fucking open. That's it. How did you do the first part? And then, you know, I do like that little bit at the end. He's like, try the seatbelt. Like, that that overacting was perfect enough for me. And, like, I don't know if Tim Robbins needs to be in another comedy. But I think he's, like... (laughs) <laughs> he won't be, I think the old boy has gotten a lot better than he used to do when he did Howard the Duck, which is true, because he is in one of the best Stephen King adaptations of all time. Uh And so, it's just absolutely nuts that that thing even works. And then, so once they get it working, and Howard starts driving towards the Dark Overlord, of course... What would you think would happen? Now, if you were a bad guy, not a normal bad guy, not, not a movie bad guy, if you were just a bad guy and you had superpowers, and this duck who doesn't have superpowers, and let's just say he's not a duck, let's just say that, uh, you know, he's your friend Bob, and you've become evil and you're going to kill Bob. Um, And he's coming at you because he's going to try to save the day, but he's got nothing. All he has is a neutron disruptor on the back of some stupid fucking cart that works sometimes when the seatbelt is clicked together and sometimes when it's not... Uh, and it's totally fucking arbitrary when it fucking does work like that. But he's coming at you. Now, you have all these fucking superpowers, right? You have the power of like shooting like lightning from your fingertips and, you know, blowing shit up. And you've used these before and you've used them to kill a couple of people already. Uh, what would you choose to use? Uh, like, would you try some new type of power that maybe you didn't know that you had? Uh, or would you just fucking blow the shit out of them? now normal like thought process would be just fucking blow the duck up okay fucking shoot a fireball fucking energy bolt whatever it is you almost got him the first time maybe you need to recharge time i don't fucking know but if you do what the dark overlord does in this thing he fucking uses like wind breath on him to like push it back it does nothing it does absolutely nothing It's like picking the box instead of picking the fucking red snapper. Absolutely nothing. You get nothing out of this. So he, he pushes him back with a little bit of wind and Howard's able to drive through it and come over there. And eventually they end up at some like okay corral type of like Situation To where he starts driving towards him And then he decides to use his fucking thing But he gives Howard the chance to fucking power up the thing Like sitting back there, power up Maybe he thinks he's much more powerful If I was a bad guy, you gotta do it like, you know Like the good bad guys do The ones that actually do win a little bit In some situations Where you just use your power right away you don't fucking just wait on it. Maybe you want to prove something, but you know that you've got the chance that at that time, you know what? I don't really don't want to lose, so why don't I just go, and then fucking it's done. That's it. Just get it fucking done. But no, of course gives him a chance to power up the fucking gun, and start driving at him, and then he fires all three of his lasers, his two hand lasers, his eye lasers, whatever the fuck he's got, probably has a cock laser that he's firing at him at the same time, and then Howard fires the neutron disruptor, and you see the two powers like go back and forth, and then eventually there's a giant explosion, and you think that everybody is, you know, basically done and there's a fake out with Howard might be dead but it turns out that he's not and they celebrate a little bit too prematurely Howard oh.
1: <sighs> 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 Howard
4: You're alright? I need this like I need another tail You did it! Hey, get me down from here! Come on!
3: Dr. Jenning? Howard, it's not it's not what? The evil's not inside
5: me anymore. The explosion must have released it and it's loose.
4: What about me?
5: The Dark Overlord is still here.
4: Well then, I suggest we get Beverly and get the hell out of here.
0: So yes, the Dark Overlord is still somewhere out there, and he does break through one of the bridges from below, and we get to see him for the very first time. And he's done as a stop-motion type of monster. And honestly, he looks pretty good. It doesn't necessarily fit. And this is a situation where I I did view this on actually two different TVs. And the newest of the two TVs, this looks ridiculously terrible. Because the quality of the picture is so good on the TV that it moves in a weird type of motion. You know, at 60 frames per second. I know, first word problems and all. But when it went downstairs, it still like looked a little out of place on the regular TV that doesn't have the same type of refresh rate and everything like that so you have this monster that is like I said I think the design is well done but it looked like it had two heads when it first came up like it's got a head on the ass and then it's got a head on the front that's the real fucking head Uh, I had to rewind it a couple times because I like, really? It looked really weird. But it's got these, like, cool hands with the tentacle things that pop out of it. And, of course, it starts going after Howard. uh, And it starts trying to activate the laser because it was in position. And it has three minutes to get everything done before the people from his planet actually arrive inside the lab and on Earth. So, he's got a hold of Howard. He's trying to bring Howard closer to him. Uh, Dr. Jennings throws him a buzzsaw to where he's able to actually, like, buzz through the tentacle, uh, with the effect looking kind of neat. Uh, meanwhile, Phil and Bev over there, they're entranced by some green thing because they're going to be the ones that accept the host, are going to be the host bodies for the Dark Overlords when they come in there. Howard decides that he's going to go all Arnold Schwarzenegger or Rambo, whichever way you want to do this thing. And he decides that he's gonna, uh, take the neutron disruptor and actually put it on a shoulder to fire at the dark overlord. They managed to stop everything, uh, you know, he manages to blow the dark overlord up, start the, um, Will blow up the laser so that way the guys won't come. I guess they're gonna be lost in the reaches of space or something like that. Or maybe they get sent back to the world. I really don't know. Don't really give a fuck. But everything just kind of blows up, and everybody's worried that because they can't find Howard right away. They do manage to find him underneath some rubble, and when they get him, he does another fake out to them.
1: I don't know where you are now, but I hope you're happier there. This world didn't treat you very good, but you saved it, didn't you?
2: <gasps> <gasps> Howard, I am not Howard <gasps> anymore. <gasps> <gasps>
4: So jeez! <coughs> all this smoke! Murder on the sinuses! <coughs> <laughs> you, didn't I?
0: So they're all happy because they've been all reunited, the satellite has been destroyed, the dark overlords are gonna be back in their planet, there's not gonna be any more, and finally Bev and Howard are gonna be able to get down and dirty, but of course, it all comes at the cost that Howard can no longer go back to his homeworld. And that was a decision that he made himself. So ultimately, he didn't make the, uh, you know, the sacrifice. Well, I guess he did make a sacrifice, but he didn't sacrifice the planet <laughs> in order to do that. Uh, and then the movie ends on a very uplifting and happy scene where we see that Bev and her band, the Cherry Bombs, are now really big because Howard is their manager, Phil does all the stage stuff for them. And of course, they have the rocking hit of howard the duck which is the theme song for the whole movie now i know this is long i know but you have to enjoy the song that is howard the duck and we'll be back to finish up after it's done So that was Howard the Duck. And yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it has its problems. But god damn it, I still love this fucking movie. Like, it's just the nostalgic factor I have a hard time getting away from. I just remember the good times hanging out with my sister, you know, when we were really young kids, and just watching this and watching it with the family. And I don't know why, I don't know how my parents even allowed this film to come into our fucking household. Like, honestly. He's, Howard in this is a terrible character. Like, he has his funny moments. He's voiced well. Uh, I think that the guys that are in the suits do a pretty good job with what type of stiffness. I mean, it's not quite, you know, Christian Bale in Batman stiffness or even Michael Keaton in Batman suit stiffness. Like, it still had, The animatronics have a lot of emotion to it. It's done well. I love that it's all practical. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I actually like the way the new version of uh, Howard the Duck looks in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like, it looks great. I really want to see a new Howard the Duck film, to be honest with you. I want to see if they can actually do it right. But you know what's really funny? As much as I say, oh, it's a tale of two films, and I can't believe they have this part on the first part and that part on the second part... You know what? This is actually a relatively faithful adaption of the comics. Like, everything that is mentioned in here is there. Yes, there are tweaks. Yes, I don't necessarily think the romance is necessarily there between Bev and Howard that they kind of shoehorned into the film. I don't even think it needs to be there. But honestly, a lot of the stuff is very similar. Uh, the Dark Overlords exist. They're the ones that actually had... You know, everything redirected to bring Howard into our world. Beverly is a character um, that he does meet. She's more of an artist in that. And that she goes around with him on all his adventures. But he also hangs out with Man-Thing and a couple other different Marvel creations at the same time. It's a very interesting film. And it's weird to think about it that way. That they actually kind of nailed... Like, some aspects of the comic, they just didn't execute it right like it could have been a much better movie it could have been a lot funnier it could have been a lot more endearing i think that like i said you could have split it up easily into two films you could have done the duck out of water type film where he comes to the world he doesn't have to have the whole second half of everything with the goddamn you know dark overlord and all that bullshit that could be another movie the fact that he just at the end of the first movie he comes to accept you know that hey i'm no longer gonna be here that you I'm no longer going to be at home, I'm going to be here. And then in the next movie, they actually figure out that, hey, there's a way to send you home, Howard. And, oh my god, I can be sent home? And when he figures that out, that's where you introduce the whole thing with the Dark Overlord, and he's got to fight it, and he's got to defeat it. And he determines that, hey, it's better to sacrifice one duck over the lives of everybody on the planet Earth. You could have had... Uh, great films as long as the first one did well then the second one could have been a little more of a standalone type of film but as it stands you've got two films combined into one with a weird transition between the two where the transition is like a love interest shit between the two of them that doesn't need to necessarily be in this film you could figure out the whole relationship about him becoming their manager and all that other stuff that stuff could be like the forefront you know even though he pines to go home he realizes that he can do a lot of good here and he can help out a lot of people here at the same time i don't know if maybe it should have gone that way but that's just a feeling that i have still i love the music of this film um from the cheesy 80s stuff to the soundtrack that's there Some of the puns, while they're terrible, they make me chuckle. There's a lot of just randomly small scenes. The Dark Overlord shit, even with the voice, still brings me back to when I first saw it the first time. I was scared out of my fucking mind at this claymation monstrosity. I mean, it's it's no Freddy Krueger, but come on. When you see it, like... The tone of everything, it becomes a lot more serious once with that stuff, when you've had kind of like a light-hearted romp for most of the film. So overall, what do I give this film? Well... It's a one out of five on the gore. There really isn't anything other than the tentacle. And then I'm going to put duck tits into the gore category for this one. So it gets a one. I was thinking about raising it to a two just for that reason, but no, we'll leave it at a one on this. The crap factor. It's a four out of five. Like I said, Leia Thompson, she doesn't need to be so breathy every time that she talks. And she's just like, seems like she's out of it. Tim Robbins definitely overacts. Jeffrey Jones, that voice. Oh my God. Like Like, I think it's a little bit too much. Um, And then, like, when the costumes look bad, they look bad. And when the makeup looks bad, it looks bad. But then when it looks good, it still looks good. Uh, And then a lot of the dialogue. uh, The the change in Howard from being, like, uh, you know, sympathetic to all of a sudden, fuck you guys, I just want to get out of here. It doesn't really work well for me. So it's a four or five. But the fun factor is is a 4 out of 5. To me, this is a bad movie that's so bad it's good. Like, it's so entertaining to watch. Um, if you've never seen it before, and, and, and again, I have to put an asterisk maybe on that, because it's because of Nostalgic Glasses. There's a lot of things that I really enjoyed. And sitting through the whole thing again, and, and again, and and once more again, um, <laughs> it I still like it. I still really enjoy it. So to me, it gets a four out of five. It can't get to the five out of five range because there's still things as an adult and even as a kid, maybe I didn't realize, but now I'm just like, why is this in this fucking movie? Why does it need to be there? You can take the whole romance angle out of it. It'll save you 15 minutes of the film, uh, and everything maybe will be better for it. Like, I like her being more of like his, uh, Scooby-Doo to his Shaggy or something like that, you know? where she's just more of the sidekick that even though, uh, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot to do or maybe she does. Maybe she has a bigger role than what you expected it to be. So overall, I'm going to give this four out of five duck tits. Uh, that's just the way that this is going to roll. Um, I think that, you know, we could sit here and we could talk forever and um, that we would still maybe you and I would be a little different on what exactly, you know, is good about the film, what's bad about the film, but I unequivocally will always love this film, and I will keep showing it to people that have never seen it before, and just ask them, please, just give it a chance, because once you get into it, um, I think you'll like it as much as I do. So, with that being said, uh there is a first, before we go on, you know, the next episode is going to be the anniversary episode that is the start of season four i can't believe that i've done this for that long and i'm just a small little podcast guy and i really don't you know i'm not out there trying to spend all the money to advertise and i really appreciate that a lot of people have a word of mouth there's some really great people that have been out there that have always reached out to me um and have you know, I really respect, I like their stuff too. It's not just, they're not just podcasters, they're friends, uh, at the same time. You know, there are friends that are friends and have been friends for a really long time, but there are friends that have come from being podcasters, and I really appreciate that they've stuck with me for so long and that they, they reach out. And I'm so grateful for anybody out there that does take a listen and as of this pod, by the time I'm releasing, I've hit over 20,000 listens and downloads, and to me, some podcasts get that so quick, but to me, that means the world that anybody would take the time to sit and listen to me say this stuff. I know I've said this before, but I truly do mean it from the bottom of my heart because it is a long process to get these done, and you know, I probably would still be doing it if there wasn't a whole lot of people listening, but the fact that There's always consistent people checking out the show. There's always new people checking out the show. So I do encourage you guys, please reach out to me. Um, you know, we have a, I have a new listener that's actually getting one of the movies that he suggested, uh, after October. Um, I'll be rolling out with his movie, uh, in that time. And another listener, you know, recently, she recently found me on Spotify. So I guess Spotify works for people founding, uh, the podcast and, you know, I appreciate that anybody wants to reach out and follow all the fun things. But, so, for the anniversary show. Now, last year, (laughs) I had a theme for Halloween, and it was a werewolf movie, a vampire movie, and then a Frankenstein-style movie. And so those were all culminating into one movie. And a lot of people thought... Oh, hey, it's gonna be Monster Squad. Turned out, no, it's Van Helsing. That's what I did. Maybe it's a little bit of a switcheroo, but hey. Uh, but I save those types of movies for anniversary shows. So those are movies that I really like. Now, the very first pod I ever did for this was Terror Vision. And that was just to start it, you know, and it turns out that that's, I'd never seen it before. I love that movie. Um, that would be a part of this. Killer Clowns from Outer Space was the second one. I unequivocally love that movie. It's great. It's terrible and it's great. And then last year, I did Event Horizon where the Fear Merchant, he joined me on that episode of the podcast. I'm going to be doing this one alone this year, but it's a film that everybody thought that last Halloween I was going to do, and that movie is Monster Squad.
3: You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the
2: monster squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced virgin they're a bit disorganized monsters are not real we don't know that sir
3: two thousand year old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves
2: but when strange things start happening in town there's a monster in my closet Woo! look at that big scary monster silver bullet they're the only ones ready to do battle
1: Something out there killing people and if it's monsters nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us soon the creatures of the night will move around real monsters us midnight in the world remember we can be like mass Squad and know, Two math Bombs. We got T-35, stick back up, hurry up! We'll meet squad. The book is right. Don't you
2: think it's all true? By midnight... You guys! They won't seem so young anymore.
3: Monster Squad. Wolfman's
0: got me! So, right now, that is available on Amazon Prime at the time of this podcast. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Please go out and watch it before the podcast, because I think it's worth everybody's time. That's one I definitely say you should watch before. And this is actually a great lead-up, because Dave, again, he's doing another uh universal monster movie marathon and this is (laughs) it's not an unofficial start or whatever but it's going to kind of get you excited again and i will be a part of that as well um doing the second creature i think it's revenge of the creature uh but that won't come until sometime in november as a bonus episode for everybody to listen to but you can you know it's all those universal monsters all in one film with the kids I fucking love that the Man is in this movie. It makes me smile every time. And of course, there are some gnarly fucking deaths in this movie uh, by some of the monsters, especially the Wolfman, uh, which you get a taste for in the trailer, but you don't see how it ends. With that being said, of course, always go out there, follow the other podcasts that have, uh, that are going to be doing that as well as, uh, our friends of the show, uh, Make sure that you go check out the next movie. You go follow me on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast, where I'll try to do some more like live video reviews with friends that are close by as we send more of the local or the bigger horror movies like we're going to see The Nun and so there's probably going to be a little video on The Nun being released sometime uh, within this week and besides that uh, I will say adieu to you all oh you can email me to podcast at gmail.com the music is telling me to go and so next time for the anniversary show make sure that you watch Monster Squad bye bye